0: Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today on this Palm Sunday. And Lord, we join in the loud shouts of Hosanna because you are our King. You are the one who entered into Jerusalem riding on the back of a donkey in humility as King of Kings and as Lord of Lords. Not entering Jerusalem to conquer Caesar, but entering Jerusalem to conquer sin, death, and hell, and to appease the wrath of God upon the cross, so that, Lord, through faith in you, we can receive the forgiveness of our sins and everlasting life. Jesus, we thank you that as you hung on the cross, you declared these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do and to the thief who hung on the cross next to him, you said today you will be with me in paradise. May we receive today the assurance of our forgiveness and of everlasting life due to what you have accomplished for us by riding into Jerusalem to go to the cross willingly for us and our salvation. Amen. You may be seated. Traditionally, during Holy Week, the service starts on Palm Sunday and doesn't end until the benediction on Easter Sunday. So this is the beginning of a long service, but don't worry, we'll let you go home, and uh, you'll be able to uh, take a shower and eat. We invite you to come back on Good Friday. On Good Friday, we continue this service. And at the Good Friday service, we will reflect upon the sufferings and death of our of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and we will hear once again what that means to us on Easter Sunday we come and there's a different tone there's a different feel from Good Friday because Good Friday is very somber uh, Good Friday is, is actually somewhat dark because we understand what our Savior did for us on that day but Easter Sunday Easter Sunday is the day when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And not only do we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we also celebrate our resurrection because we share in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have been raised with Christ. So thank you for coming to this service and I pray that you will continue with us in this service as it continues again on Good Friday at seven o'clock. Will we begin today this sermon reading from Luke chapter 23. We go now from that Palm Sunday where the people shouted loud shouts of Hosanna to Jesus as the King, as the Savior. And now in our reading in Luke chapter 23, we fast forward to the very first Good Friday. So reading from Luke chapter 23, verses one through 56. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him saying, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ a king. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying, he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all of Judea, from Galilee even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he heard, when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad for he had long desired to see him because he had heard about him and he was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by, vehemently accusing him, and Herod with his soldiers treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate, and Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day, for before and release him. But they all cried out together, away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection, started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, crucify, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death and will therefore punish and release him." But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder. For whom they asked, but he delivered Jesus over to their will. And as they led him away, they seized one Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And they followed him, and a great multitude of the people and of the women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, When they came to the place that is called the Skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments, and the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you were the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who who were hanged, railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourselves and us. It was now the sixth hour. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus calling out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw this, saw what had taken place, He praised God saying, certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea He was a member of the council and a good and righteous man who had not consented to their decision and action, and he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had yet ever been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. The gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Praise to you, O Christ. The symbol of the Christian faith is the cross. The theology of our church is the theology of the cross. The hope of your salvation is the cross. Your identity as a Christian is the cross those who believe in Jesus Christ, those baptized in the name of the one true God have been crucified with Christ. And they have been raised to newness of life with Christ in his resurrection. So brothers and sisters in Christ, you share in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. At the cross, everything was accomplished for your salvation. There is nothing else that needs to be done in order for you to be saved. I remember as a little boy laying in my bed and I was wondering if I was ever going to make it to heaven. And I asked my sister, how can I get to heaven? And she explained the gospel to me. I thought it was too easy. So I remember after that praying over and over again, Lord Jesus, I receive you into my life and I believe that uh, you died for me. But Lord, if there is something else that needs to be done, show show me what it is so I can do it and be saved. Isn't that our nature? To believe that we have to do something, that we have to accomplish something in order to receive... The gift of salvation? At the cross, everything was accomplished for your salvation. He did it all. He did it all. So the cross for us is our victory. But in the eyes of unbelieving people, the cross looks like defeat. You mean your religious leader, your God, was crucified? Really? What kind of a God is that, that would allow himself to be subject to death? In the eyes of an unbelieving world, the cross looks like defeat, but we know the cross of Jesus is victory. It is victory for us, and it is victory for all of humanity. In the eyes of an unbelieving people, the first Palm Sunday looked very promising. After all, everybody's for Jesus. Everybody loves Jesus on Palm Sunday. In the eyes of an unbelieving people, the first Palm Sunday smelled of of political victory. In the eyes of an unbelieving people, on the first Palm Sunday, Jesus could have seized a political opportunity. The people waved palm branches and the people hailed him. The King of Israel would have accepted him as a political ruler because they hated the Romans. Remember the Romans occupied Judea and Jerusalem. Can you imagine walking down our streets and having some foreign nation occupying our streets? We would want the same thing. We would want them gone. We'd want our freedom and our liberty back to be who we are as Americans. The people who shouted Hosanna longed for political salvation from the tyranny of Caesar. However, the plan of God for the people of Israel and for the people of every ethnicity upon this planet was not political salvation from the tyranny of Caesar or any other political oppression that can be experienced. God's plan was salvation from a greater enemy Then Caesar, the cross, was at the center of God's plan, a plan of victory over your greatest enemy. Your greatest enemy. Your greatest enemy, sin, and judgment, death, and hell. Those are the greatest enemies that humanity faces. During the first Holy Week, as Jesus publicly taught, and as they heard his message, these people who had shouted Hosanna, Hosanna to the King of Israel, began to turn on Jesus. They didn't like Jesus' talking points. They didn't like his public messages. It didn't take long for the shouts of loud hosanna to turn to shouts of crucify him. Crucify him. But crucifixion was God's plan. It was God's plan from the beginning. An earthly kingdom, er listen to this, an earthly kingdom was never God's plan. It was never his plan, and Jesus was clear. His kingdom was not of this world. In John, it's recorded these words as Jesus stood before Pilate. Jesus answered Pilate in John eighteen thirty-six: my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. He came as our king, as our conquering king. That was the purpose for which he came into the world, and to bear witness to the truth. Yes, Jesus did enter into Jerusalem to take a throne as a king, but his throne was the rugged, splintered lumber of a cross. That was Jesus's throne, a cross. When Jesus marched into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the sound of soldiers marching feet was not heard. Only the humble hoof-claps of a donkey. There's a hymn. No tramp of soldiers' marching feet. Didn't hear the tramp of soldiers' marching feet with banners and with drums. No sound of music's martial beat. The king of glory comes to greet what pomp of kingly pride no bells and triumph ring. No city gates swing open wide, behold, behold your king. And yet he comes, the children cheer, with palms his pathway is strewn. With every step the cross draws near, the king of glory's throne. A stride a colt he passes by as loud hosannas ring, or else the very stones would cry, behold, behold your king. What fading flowers his road adorn? The palms, how soon laid down? No bloom or leaf, but only thorn, the king of glory's crown. The soldiers mock, the rabble cries, the streets with tumult ring, as Pilate to the mob replies, Behold, behold your king. Now he who bore for mortal's sake the cross in all its pain, and shows us a servant's form to take. The king of glory reigns. Hosanna to the Savior's name, till heaven's rafters ring, and all the ransomed host proclaim, behold, behold your king. The symbol of the Christian faith is the cross. The theology of our church is the theology Of the cross. The hope of salvation, of your salvation, is the cross. The identity of the Christian is the cross. Great humility. Jesus rode upon the colt of a donkey. He did it for you. He did it for you. Because he loves you. He rode into Jerusalem as King of kings and Lord of lords, not to ascend a throne of gold and splendor, but to ascend the throne of the cross in abject abject humility and suffering and death. Why? Why the cross? The cross is for you. The cross is for you. The cross announces the king's love. Sinners like you and me, and of the whole world. Romans 5 8 says this, but God shows his love for us. He shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. How powerful is this love of the king who went to the cross for you? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. How great and how powerful is the love of the king, of Jesus. Jesus said this, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and the people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was a written notice above him, which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him, aren't you the Messiah, save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man who's done nothing wrong. Then Jesus said this, this is how powerful the love of Jesus is for you. This is spoken over you also. Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, today today you will be with me in paradise. That is the power of his love. If those who crucified him are offered forgiveness, what makes you think that you are too far gone to be a recipient of forgiveness? Are any of us too far gone? Too great a sinner? to be a recipient of this grace? If a thief is promised paradise, what makes you think you are too far gone to be a recipient of eternal life? There are no sinners too great to receive this love, to receive this forgiveness, and to receive the promise of eternal life. And today, your King King Jesus speaks the same words over you that were spoken from the cross. Today, Jesus speaks forgiveness over you. Have you heard it lately? You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Have you heard it lately? Eternal life is yours. These are the gifts that are given to you through the victory of Jesus. You see, the judgment that you and I deserve for our sins have been paid for by Jesus. The sentence of death for our sins was served by Jesus. Jesus took your place and he received the punishment that you deserve. What Jesus did for you upon the cross can be likened unto a judge suffering death on the electric chair in the place of a convicted criminal. Think of this. Can you imagine a judge saying to a criminal he just convicted, or a jury just convicted? You go free and I'll serve the sentence of death in your place, appeasing the judgment of the law for you in your place. Can you imagine the judge removing his robe, stepping down from the bench, having his hands cuffed together, and being led to death row so that the criminal can go free. This is what Jesus has done for you. Jesus took your place. Jesus served the sentence of death you deserve. And now in exchange for your sin, in exchange for the judgment that you deserve, Jesus gives you his forgiveness. He gives you the gift of everlasting life. This is why the symbol of the Christian faith is the cross. This is why the theology of our church is the theology of the cross. This is why the hope of your salvation is the cross. And this is why your identity is in the cross. Our identity is found in the crucified, and in the risen Jesus, who died and was raised from death for you and your salvation. So we have palms, and the palms remind us, as we take them home, that Jesus went into Jerusalem. And we, too, hail him as King, as victor. So take this palm. Remember what Jesus did for you. and Let us bow our heads together in prayer. Let us confess our sins unto the Lord. I'd like for you to take a moment of silence. Take a moment to confess to the Lord those things that bother your conscience. And as you do this, know this truth. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And he will forgive us our sins and purify us, purify us from all unrighteousness. Take some time to go before the Lord, confessing and receiving the forgiveness that is promised. Heavenly Father, I pray for this congregation, this congregation that's under your care. I pray, Heavenly Father, that each and every one of them would know that they have the forgiveness of sins. I pray that each and every one of them would know that their identity is in Christ, and that they are a new creation in Christ Jesus, a new creation, made a new creation by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that each and every one of us would begin to let go of this world and of those things that we cling to for security, for identity, for meaning or purpose in our lives. Help us, Heavenly Father, to let go of that which is worthless. And help us, Heavenly Father, not just because it's Holy Week, but because it's our only hope to cling in faith to the cross of Jesus Christ. Help us to let go and to cling to you. And It's my prayer that if you have come to faith in Jesus, that you have come to faith in Jesus, and that if you have not been baptized, that you would receive the gift of grace that's given to us in baptism. If you haven't been baptized, I urge you to talk with me, to go to the Welcome Center, to communicate your desire to be baptized. Because the church is about telling the world this good news. And Jesus said to go, to go into all the world, to share this good news, this good news that was shared today. And to do what? And to baptize. And to teach. That's what we're about. So today, if you're here and you desire baptism, please talk to me or talk to somebody else here that you know and trust, or simply go to the welcome desk. And we'll make sure that you receive that gift, the gift of grace from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.